This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, it is NLL face-off weekend and TSN has a double dip. Ryan Banesh and the Halifax Thunderbirds reunite. Mitch Jones is healthy and ready to lead the Warriors. Plus, we have some incredible hot takes and an even crazier box bet. All that and more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. And with under a minute left, we've got a transition play. Reese, get behind. Scores! Nick Reese gives Buffalo the edge with under a minute to play. File this under things you love to see. lacrosse league season i hope you are excited i hope you are buzzing i hope you're ready for another edition of the off the crossbar podcast right here on the lacrosse flash podcast network he is pat gregoire find him on twitter at p greggy i am at teddy jenner and the show is at otcb underscore podcast or find us on the instas at otcb podcast it is opening weekend it is doubleheader tsn weekend Pat's in Halifax. I'm off to Hamilton on Friday. Uh, what is going on, my man? Uh, how is the fax? The fax is great, man. It's uh, the fax is always nice uh, in December. Uh, in like it, it, they do a really good job with all the lights around town. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful time. You're not too too cold yet. I'll, I'll be honest. Probably chillier than what you're experiencing on the West Coast. It is cold out here, though. Although I did see you guys got a, a yeah. decent amount of snow. It was gone like the next day, but of yeah, course, standard standard <laughs> snow. But yeah. uh, no, it's great, man. Like there's definitely a, a, a buzz around town. You know, there you always see all the billboards and all the advertisements about the T-Birds being back um but i am disappointed i've Uh-oh. been in halifax for let's say five six hours and i haven't had a bowl of chowder yet so um talk to john Abbott, talk to ashley docking um we are going for chowder for lunch after morning shoot around tomorrow you guys so, had your tsn dinner though right we did have our tsn dinner it was great it was nice to see everyone again and uh that was great but 
It's, it's not no chowder. Me. It's no chowder. <laughs> it's no chowder, Teddy. I'm I'm being serious. So, um, and you know, you've had it firsthand. I have. I've had multiple bowls. I was there for 48 hours. I think I had like six bowls. <laughs> so yeah, at we'll, all hours of the day too. We'll we'll have uh, we'll have a bowl of chowder during our uh, our lunch tomorrow after morning shoot around. But it just feels so good, man. We've got lacrosse back. Like yeah. it's finally here. We can start talking about actual games. Well, we got to sort of wait a week before we can actually talk about the what happened in the games. Yes. We will talk about the games that are on tap this weekend. There are six of them, of course. Two are on TSN, but you get the double dip, the rare double dip mm-hmm. TSN ESPN. Um, are you nervous to be on the American mothership? I mean, uh, I would be lying if I, I wasn't a little bit, but, uh, you know, a couple of our games last year for for playoffs, for, for the championship got picked up. So I've got a taste of it before, but <laughs> you know what? This is awesome. This is what it's all about, man. Like yeah. th- this is what it's all about. This is why uh, the NLL signed a deal with TSN, signed a deal with ESPN because you got to get it out to the masses. And I'll, I'll be honest, like uh, Philly, Halifax, it doesn't really sound like a marquee matchup, but I think there's a lot of great storylines coming to this mm-hmm. game. I think people in the States are going to be curious to see, like there's going to be a lot of people there to be like, where's Halifax? What is this? Like, yeah. social, what? but they're going to see firsthand the East coast. They know how to put on a show when it comes yeah. to the NLL. And it sounds like they've got great ticket skills going for, for their home opener and it should be buzzing in there. You know, talk about storylines. It's Joe Rezaterit's first game as a Philadelphia wing. Um, yep. I think everybody expects things, big things from him this year in that offense. But it, we'll, we'll get to that game. But I think, you know, you and I both omitted the Joey Rez signing in our season preview. And not to discredit him or Paul Day or what they did. Can't talk about everything. However... The Joe Rez signing in Philadelphia is significant because that just gives them another very scary weapon. It's going to be interesting to see how Halifax defends that offense. Um, And like I said, we'll we'll get to that. Um, The rosters came out this week, Patty, as we expected them to. And they kind of trickled in. They kind of trickled in. And we started seeing some moves. We started seeing some names, some question marks. Was there one guy that made it or didn't make it that stuck out the most to you hmm. or maybe maybe a transaction that you were unaware of or maybe had forgotten that was out there like i think of kevin orleman in panther city is kevin right kevin's there or is it steve i yes kevin yeah. orleman kevin orleman's there right yeah and yeah. so you're thinking going the season it's kevin orleman it's nick daymood and then all of a sudden there's no orleman it's Cam McLeod, you're like, what? Where, where, where's Orly? Mm-hmm. And you remember, he's on the injury reserve. He's just almost back. And you're like, okay, maybe no panic. But that's now Kevin Orleman's team down in Panther City for the foreseeable future. Um, some of the rookies that that were making rosters, uh, what, what do we count? No, we'll get to the thumbs up. But you know, yeah. a massive group of rookies have made it when we get those double classes. And that just bodes so well for the National Lacrosse League. So mine, I don't know if necessarily it was a surprise to us because we heard rumblings about it. But I think once it came out and it kind of deals with one of the games of the week, you know, seeing uh, Kyle Jackson 
mm. on the holdout list. Yes. Or the protected players list. And, you know, talking to Paul Day, it doesn't seem like he's done for the year by any stretch of the imagination. Um, just obviously, you know, due to some work commitments, they don't know if they're going to have him. Mm-hmm. They don't know if they are going to have him when he's going to be back. Uh, and that's a guy, obviously, with this game, I think a lot of people were excited to see him back in Halifax, a revenge game, if you will. Yeah. But also he, you know, he was a, a real big spark plug for that Philadelphia offense uh, when they were struggling immensely down the stretch last year. They bring him in and they just, he gave him a different dynamic. Uh, and s- to see him not on that roster, now yeah. that left side looks very similar again. I'm sure you bring in Joe Rez. He's going to be a dynamic player on the right side. But your lefties are still very similar. You've got Rambo. You've got Reardon. you got Vitarelli. You bring in Hunter Lemieux as well. Yeah. But it's a lot of the same. Big bodies that can crash and bang. They like the outside shot. Vitarelli can work from the inside. But not a lot of speed. Not a lot yeah. of, you know, that water bug that we kept talking about that they needed. And Kyle Jackson kind of was that guy. Yeah. So yeah. what, what's that offense going to look like? Is it going to be a lot of the same last year? Hopefully not for their sake, because they went through a lot of stretches where five on five, they could not score goals. So, yeah. And that was a, a massive struggle po- point for them. I think Sam McClair brings some energy. I think, you know, Hunter Lemieux, like you said, is a big body. I think he'll bring some energy, but I think every team needs that, that mucker in the corner, that little guy that's going to go in there and for some reason, some way, some shape, he comes away with it. Yeah. And I really think Sam McClair can be that. Ben McIntosh is going to get a ton of loose balls. Um, Joey Rez will get a ton. When, when Matisse is up there, he's going to be obviously effective. But you're right. It's, you know, outside of Joey Rez, the the, the McIntosh, the Rambos, the Reardons, the Vitarellis, sort of – similar type players so you're right it will be interesting to see how that offense plays out as the season goes on because that is one that's just gonna kind of struggle if they can't get any dynamicness to them um teddy before you you mentioned that and i think obviously again when you have joe rez in your lineup he's a guy that even if the offense is struggling like he can go out there and rip a shot from the outside and and generate offense by himself. Like he's a guy that can create his own offense, right? So mm-hmm. you've got that. But if you're a Philly fan and this offense struggles one, two games into the season, don't hit the panic button because they brought in Jeff McComb uh, mm-hmm. as the offensive coordinator. And That's that offense yet, man. is not easy to understand and not easy to uh, – and I don't know if they're going to implement his – you know, his offense that he created that everyone right. copied essentially and made their own versions of that offense. You assume they're going to have some semblance of that and it might take some time, but now you've got Paul day in the middle of the bench and he can kind of focus on everything, the whole big picture. Now you got, you know, Rubel on the back end, you've got McComb working on the offense. So like now you've got a nice blend on that bench yeah. So I, I think if you're a Philly fan and, and this offense doesn't pot 12, 13 tomorrow in Halifax, don't be don't be upset because this no. offense will come together. It's just gonna take some time. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And you talk about new faces and rookies and lineups. 
Um, the other game of the week, Toronto versus Vancouver. Toronto has zero rookies in their top 21. <laughs> they got two new faces, essentially, in their starting lineup, which would be Corey Small and Stephen Keogh. Corbeil, hopefully, after the new year, he might be able to slowly start getting back into things. But Vancouver has seven rookies. Yeah. And 11 new faces. And of those seven rookies, I don't think all of them are in their 21. Well, they are all in their 21. And that is a complete polar opposite of a team that's in win now mode and a team that's in, okay, let's start to build a process here. And I'm interested to see how those rookies in Vancouver really can handle themselves in a hostile environment Saturday night in Hamilton, because that is not an easy start. Like John Gagliardi is going to take face-offs for Vancouver. Tyrell Hamer-Jackson is out. They released Gustafson. They could let Owen Barker take some draws, but it sounds like Gags is going to be the guy. But he's going into a lion's den against TD Erland. <laughs> yeah. And that is not an easy start. Plus, you got, you know, Latrell and DeSnoo and Shallon chasing you down, hunting you off that draw. It is not going to be an easy night for some of those young guys. So over the course of opening weekend, over these six games, let's see which rookies can handle themselves the best. Because that is a huge telling point. Yeah, you can have all these preseason games. You can have scrimmages. You can have all these intense practices. But once it's for real and the volume gets turned up and you add 8, 10, 15,000 fans, the atmosphere, it becomes a whole different animal. So my thumbs up is all those 41 rookies that made the active 21-man rosters, congratulations. That is a huge feat, and all the work starts now. But just so you know, Friday and Saturday night is going to be something that you've never experienced in your entire life. So enjoy it. Embrace it. Don't put any pressure on yourselves, but let's see what you got. Yeah, honestly, that that's such a, a great point, and it was something that we, you know, I was discussing, I was talking to, the guys on the back of the bird this week. Um, oh, you're everywhere right now. I, I know, right? Holy <laughs> Christ. We were, we were talking about uh, the health of the league and the depth of the league and the parody. There was a time where, you know, a couple of years ago where we were like, man, I don't know if there's enough talent in, mm-hmm. you know, to, to fill out all these teams. Now you're thinking it's like, you know what? Yeah, they there could be another team added, and there's so many young, great kids coming in this league. There's so many great young American talented players coming into this league. Like the league is in a really, really, really good spot. But with that being said, you got to learn on the fly, yeah. and these rookies are going to have to learn on the fly. And Vancouver, say what you will about Vancouver, um, they're they, like. They got to win now. Like it's not like it's not another rebuild or it's not a team that, you know, can kind of feel things out. Like there is pressure on this organization to win and to win right now. And it doesn't matter if they have 40 rookies in the lineup. It doesn't matter if they have zero rookies. Like they need to get this done because when you look at the roster, for the most part, it's a pretty talented roster. It is. Especially up the front door. Um, there's some, you know, obviously the goaltending is in question. There's some young players on the back end, 
But when push comes to shove, this team, their expectation is to compete for a playoff spot. And if that doesn't happen, changes are going to be need, needed to be made. And you you better believe Troy Corgan is not saying that yeah. you know, we're here just to, to, to have fun every night. Like yeah. he expects winning. Every you know, I, I, I talked to Troy Thursday for just a coach's chat ahead of the game this weekend. And I said, you know, we talked about that culture change and the mentality that's often been around that locker room. And he said, these guys are tired of losing and they're tired of always being picked last and tired of everybody saying, oh, you guys can't win. Yep. They're tired of not winning. Yeah. And so I, I really think with a healthy Mitch Jones, Adam Charlembeatis, you know, now he's got his feet wet in the, the box game again because he hadn't played it box for what, like six years while he was away at school and hurt all those years. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, Kyle Killen's got more confidence. Keegan ball is a top 20 forward right now and probably working his way close to the top 10. If he can have another career year, I really think the question mark is how much pressure is on not only defenders like Brett Mitski and Reed Bowering and Owen Barker, but how much pressure is on Steve Fryer right now? Yeah. Yeah. And we all love deep. Like, how can you not love that guy? Right. But for a guy that's never played more than 300 minutes a season, never had more than one win in a season. And now he's being asked to be that guy with a couple unproven, you know, Aiden Walsh is unproven in the NLL and Brody Harris, I believe is floating around as maybe a third, if they ever need him um, is unproven in the NLL. So Steve Fryer is going to relish in this moment. I'm very interested to see, A, how short their leash is with him or how long the leash is for that matter, if things don't go well. But I really think he has to find a completely different style and a completely different Steve Fryer in between the pipes. He, he has the ability to be great. We just need to see it now. So uh, that is going to be one heck of a lacrosse game on Saturday, you have Halifax and Philadelphia on Friday. Um, what is your thumbs up? Is it that, Pat? Yeah, you know what? I, I, we've already alluded to it. I'm going to say it again. Two thumbs up for two TSN games this week. It's amazing. And I, you know, the powers that be, hopefully you're listening to the program right now because I think we need more of this. Mm-hmm. I think we need more back-to-back games. I think – you know, having a game at seven o'clock in the East and then a game at 10 later in the evening. Like I think there needs to be more and it's great that we have 20 games um, on TSN. And I think it's great that we have however many games on linear TV on ESPN, but I do believe these double headers on the weekends or even, you know, on the same evening, like to build that momentum, Uh, is massive it's absolutely massive because the more lacrosse on television the more opportunity the casual fan is going to come across the game the more opportunities that the average lacrosse fan is going to watch more and the hardcore fan is going to relish in that as well it's just it benefits everyone and it is awesome to see the buy-in from these big networks, and it's great to see the buy-in from the league. It would just be awesome if we could get this a little bit more. Yeah. But again, 
This is the beginning. Yeah, this is this this is year two of year three of our initial deal. If things keep going the way they're going, how could you not have, especially opening weekend? I'd say like, that's the thing. The opening right? weekend is perfect. It is right. absolutely perfect that they're doing this. Like, yeah, in heck, man. One day maybe we'll have like a lacrosse day in Canada and we'll have three games on a Saturday. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like yeah. Halifax. Toronto and then a Western game. Would that not be awesome? Right. Like, would that not be awesome? I think that would, that, that is, that has to be a goal for everybody involved that we just continue to grow. And then, you know, you could do the same thing on ESPN. You could have a, you know, I, I love the fact that Cooper and Nicosello are going to be doing those Western ESPN games because they just bring a great energy to the broadcast. But again, now we have East and West, both ESPN and TSN, now we can just start adding more games, more broadcast teams, have that third game and just continue to expand this reach. It's unbelievable. But, you know, unfortunately, with every good, Patty, there comes a bad and you can't. And when you have 15 teams, unfortunately, you can't have every team play. Yep. Yeah. And that's where my thumbs down comes, Steady. No Vegas in week one is a thumbs down to me. And I'm sure Sean Williams is telling me to shut up because it gives him an extra week to prepare. I know they're down in Vegas this weekend doing another week of camp. So they're enjoying the week off. They're enjoying that they get another week to get better and they don't have to compete just yet. I know they're chomping at the bit, getting ready. They want to play another team, but it gets them another opportunity to practice together and figure things out. But we want to see Vegas. It would not be all. Would that not be oh, awesome? Imagine if they were, if they were like opening, like opening weekend at home, like a Sunday a afternoon in Vegas. <laughs> Could you not imagine that? Like, would that not? Or a Saturday, uh, Saturday night, like a night game on the West Coast yeah. after you and Brad sign off, and then you throw over to the Vegas game, and that that game's on ESPN. Would that not be great? But again, chills. You just you just gave me chills, man. It would be great. But, hey, like I said, Vegas is totally fine. They'll get their chance. They'll get their chance. They'll also get another opportunity to fine-tune that roster and fine-tune their power play and all that good stuff because, yeah, you want to get rolling. You want to get the season going. But another week to to prepare, I'm sure they're they're not too uh, upset about that either. Uh, My thumbs down. Maybe it's petty. Sometimes I have to be on this show um monday all the rosters came out and everybody and their mother is sitting by their computer just waiting to see who their team kept who moved their a player to the injured list who's on the practice roster where's my son gonna be which games can i all that stuff how do you not have some sort of graphic ready to go with your entire roster now, I know there are times when, you know, all the way to the deadline, there's ideas of who's going to go where. They're trying to figure out injuries and all that stuff. I get it. But it is not hard to put something out to let your fans know what is going on with your club and who made the team. Get the information out to the fans. They are the lifeblood of what makes all of our teams successful beyond the athletes who make our game so good. So let's give the fans a reason to get excited. Everybody's waiting for this and you don't post anything. 
till the next day or even two days later. It's just unacceptable for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really think teams need to do a better job. And most teams do an incredible job. We're going to get to that in a minute. But I think we all need to be better in getting those rosters out and published and letting fans know. And it's not just me being greedy and wanting to know who's where. It's literally for the fans. They want to know. And so why are we taking two days to put that information out there when teams are still putting out scheduled tweets of get your tickets or here's our theme nights or whatever it may be. Let's be better at those sort of things. So that's my thumbs down this week. And I think that's a a good thumbs down, to be honest, because you want to keep your fans up to date with the new players that are going to be there. The players that also that might be in the dark that don't know that a, a certain player is going to start the season on right. the injured reserve or, and, and shout out to a couple of teams. And I apologize if I'm going to leave out any other teams, but I know off the top of my head, Halifax and the Toronto rock did a very good job, not only releasing their roster, but also then following up or having the graphic where mm-hmm. it releases the roster to let them know, Hey, maybe if you don't see, your favorite player, here's the reason why. They're yeah. on the pop list. They're on the yeah. on the holdout, whatever it may be. And maybe maybe there needs to be more of an education piece uh, from the league, from these teams, from us as broadcasters, from us as insiders, to explain. And I know you did a great job. You threw a tweet out there um, saying like, okay, what's the difference between the IR? What's the difference between the pup? What's the holdout mean? What's the draft list? What's the protective player list? So the uh, because not all sports deal with these type of things, right? Lacrosse is a unique sport with unique situations. So kudos. I know you're I'm going grabbing your thumbs down and and turning a little bit of a positive spin on some of the it's, other teams. Well, yeah. Because at least some of these teams that are doing it, that should be doing yeah. it, they're also putting a little bit of an education piece on it as well. Yeah, and I know you know San Diego did the one with the surfboards and stuff like that. Like there are teams that went above and beyond and did really 100%. good. Stuff. Um, 100%. So yeah, I think there's good and bad, but I think we all just need to better in that yeah. regard. Uh, speaking of what you said, um, so obviously there were there's the active roster, which is 21 players, 19 runners, two goaltenders. Then you have the practice roster, which is four players, takes you to 25. And then outside of that 25, you can have, what do we say, six? Six players on either the IR, which is the injured reserve, the physically unable to playlist, a protected player, or a holdout. Now, the injured reserve means a player was hurt during NLL action. This is sort of paraphrasing, but essentially it's a player hurt during NLL action And they have to be on that list for a minimum of four days. The pup list, the physically unable to play list, means that they're hurt outside of NLL action. So whether they're hurt on the job um, Monday to Friday or they got hurt playing summer ball or in the PLL or wherever it may have been, that is for the pup list. Protected player means rights are owned by the team. They were offered a contract, but nothing was signed. So that's the Kyle Jackson in Philadelphia. And then there's holdout players, players who are under contract, but just haven't reported. So those are sort of the five areas of the roster outside of the act of 21. Yes, it can be somewhat confusing, but we just kind of need 
like you said, just a little one-on-one sometimes helps these things get more simpler to understand. So that's kind of the designation of where those players are. So and that's, that's our thumbs up, thumbs down, but let's not dwell on the thumbs down. Let's no. focus on the positives and talking about teams that get it and teams that put things out, you know, the mammoth did making the mammoth a couple years ago during their draft. Um, Halifax did Thunderbirds 360 last year, already this year, the rush have put out inside the rush and the rock have put out rock city unplugged, which essentially are going to be behind the scene documentaries as the season goes along. And they were both fantastic. They're both like 15, 17 minutes long. They cover the preseason. They talk to players and coaches. They got some incredible behind-the-scenes footage. And these are just things that we need more and more of as the the years go on, right? Like, it's it's not hard to do these things if you have the personnel in place. And that's another ball of wax. But it's awesome to see teams are starting to buy into this. Yeah, and this is exactly what I think when you look at some of these smaller and no no offense to the game of lacrosse but some of these smaller sports or these niche sports like i say it all the time look at formula one formula mm-hmm. one was an absolute wagon in europe people love formula one but when it came to north america small pockets some people you know enjoy it but then once the drive to survive came out and people started watching that. They fell in love with Formula One. They started following it. You know, it was one of the only sports during COVID that was going on. And people just ate it up. And I think with more teams investing in these docu-series styles of, of, of uh, content, it is massive. It is unreal to see. It's great. But I'm going to take it one step further. Oh, I think there needs to be buy-in from the league or from one of these teams, whatever it may be, and get these documentaries on a major platform. Truth. On a Netflix, on an Amazon Prime, on something where, because again, similar to what we were talking about with TSN and ESPN, the casual sports fan can, can can just turn on Netflix and see what's going on and they'll watch that. Yeah. If it's just on the rush's twitter channel or their youtube channel yeah sure people are going to f- watch it and see this great content locally they're going to going to get that but if you want to grow the game further why don't we get one of these on a major streaming platform yep that would be awesome dude that would be I think, I think we all kind of felt that way when tyson did 360 last year i think everyone said man this is as good as nhl 24/7 <laughs> Um, why aren't major networks picking this up? But I think you have to have a continuous effort of that. You can't, it can't just be a one-off. Yeah. It has to be everybody buying in. And once, and once you have that infrastructure around the league, it's easy to do it from that yeah. standpoint. Yeah, exactly. So, and and again, and I'm not knocking these no, because no. it's awesome that they're doing this and that's what they have to do. But if it gets to a point where all these teams are doing this, Maybe maybe we get to a point where it's like once a year, um, you know, Calgary, let's say one year, they follow Calgary. And then season yeah, two, yeah. 
they follow another t- they follow vancouver and then season three it's Halifax. like would that not be cool similar like the like uh, training camp hard knocks hard knocks exactly 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 like that i think yeah. that would be awesome i think it would be too and i i think you know commissioner brett frude's been around nascar for quite a long time and he's seen that yep franchise organization be you know stumbling around all across the united states to being one of the biggest entertainment industries in the entire world so i think over time that will happen we just have to continue building and building and building um before we get to our quickly season awards we're gonna talk to mitch jones by the way and we're gonna talk to ryan banesh this week uh so stick around for that uh the wild card lives on in the national lacrosse league patty um i know there was thoughts that now that we were eight and seven, we were almost even that they were going to do four and four. Uh, but unfortunately, Eastern teams are the majority. And so they decided to give themselves another opportunity at a wild card spot and a playoff berth. So we will have the wild card again, but they're going to have all of the entire season, playoffs included, by like the second week of June. It's unbelievable. I love it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I feel like, I feel like we've been asking this for a long time. And don't get us wrong. Like we want the lacrosse season to last as long as possible. (laughs) But at some points you feel like, eh, do we have to wait a full week in between multiple games and series? And it's like, now it's like the fact that like, again, we talked about, um, earlier on like for ultimate sports weekends ultimate uh lacrosse weekends like would it not be awesome memorial day weekend if philly (laughs) found their way in the nll finals yeah and we had an nll finals game going on memorial weekend while the ncaa men's national championships was going on the same weekend like would that not be pretty sweet like the ultimate lacrosse weekend in philadelphia yeah Um, and i I know a lot of people are like oh the crossover why would they do that the ncaa games are done by like four o'clock yeah there's there's not going to be any crossover and they play on the monday the finals is on the monday anyway also have you been to philadelphia yeah you can friggin walk from Lincoln Financial, yeah, right over to the arena, like right there to Wells Fargo. Like mm-hmm. it is going, it would be unbelievable. And the fact yeah. that people are saying that that could be a bad thing, yeah, that's just dumb. They don't know. Crazy, yeah, that's crazy. It would be amazing. Yeah. It would be an unbelievable weekend. And you know what? And hey, if 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 Philly's not in the finals, and you think that also might ruin viewership or ruin it's not going to no it's not no. going to at all like no. you said there's no crossover you know what's going to happen teddy us lacrosse fans are going to sit on the couch for <laughs> a whole day oh. watch the semi-finals or the d3 finals D- and hey, whoa. Gonna... show some love to d2 bro oh d2 too don't worry I, they're on different dates sorry yes of course oh, d2 love for sure um but then you get to watch more lacrosse in one single day, like a one weekend. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it's going to be unreal, man. Like be unreal. get over yourself. If you think this is a bad thing. Um, so other than that, we're leading into opening weekend. 
So teams are keeping a lot to themselves. They're just staying hush-hush. They're getting ready to play. But we are going to give you some goods. Miss Jones of the Vancouver Warriors missed 14 games last year. He was still, I think, sixth on the team in scoring, and he only played four games. He is going to be an MVP candidate. He is going to be the, the straw that stirs the drink. I had to think about that one for a minute. But he is going to be ready to go, and he hopes the rest of his Vancouver Warriors teammates follow. Miss Jones, Jones me, one-on-one right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Obviously, the uh, Halifax-Philadelphia game goes on Friday on TSN, but Saturday on TSN, it is quote-unquote guaranteed win night as the Rock and Warriors go to town in Hamilton. Joining us now on the show, Mitch Palooza. Mitch Jones, what's going on, brother? Hey, thanks for having me. Not a whole lot getting uh, geared up for week one here. Um, what's your travel schedule? Uh, you guys direct to the the Hammer, or are you going to Toronto and then busting down? Uh, I believe we're going to Toronto. We got practice uh, Friday night in uh, the Brampton uh, Memorial Arena, and yeah. then we're staying in Oakville. So I think that's, what is that, to Hamilton? Maybe a 15-20 minute commute? Yeah. Uh, maybe a little more. So then we're staying there, and then, uh, yeah, we'll be in Hamilton uh, sat- all Saturday, Saturday morning and Saturday night. As mentioned, uh, they've claimed it guaranteed win night. Is that firmly on the locker room wall? Uh, I mean, obviously we've talked about it a little bit, but I don't think it's our main focus. Um, we're kind of, it's yeah, you know, you can have the people like to talk about it, but uh, it is what it is. I think um, we're going there to to make our own wins. So we'll, uh, I'm sure after, if we can get that win, we'll, we'll talk about it a little more. Um, so that's just the way it is. Uh, it's obviously been a while since you've geared up uh, the, the foot injury last year, causing you miss the, the last few months of the season. How amped are you for Saturday night to get back at it? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I'm uh, it's felt like it's been forever. I mean, it has been a long time. I uh, our end of training camp, uh, we had just started kind of player individual player meetings. I went in there and whatever we just talked good camp, blah blah blah. I told the coaching staff, I said, ah, maybe maybe make sure I'm uh, like keep me under control out there. I'm a little excited to be there. And Troy just kind of laughed at me and said, uh, we're in the same we're in the same position. So yeah, we, we agreed, Haji. We'll keep an eye on us, make sure we're, we're under control. <laughs> um, how was camp? Because you guys were the only team that didn't really have scrimmages against anybody else. You guys stayed kind of locally in Vancouver. You kept yourselves. You're under the radar. Um, was it a bit of a different change, not having that massive camp at the LEC with four different teams and, and scrimmages and things like that? Yeah, a little bit different feel to it. Um, we did five weeks, which... I'm just trying to think my past camps. I don't know. That seems a little long. Plus you're kind of just with our team for the whole time, not playing any exhibition games. Um, I thought it was very good though. We, we got to focus on ourselves. We got to kind of work through some kinks. We got to get used to our new coaching staff. Um, so I'm, uh, yeah, we're ready to go and uh, a little bit more unconventional. You don't get that exhibition game on your belt, but I mean, guys have been playing summer guys. We're playing, we're battling against each other. So it's not like we don't know uh, how to work with each other. Um, maybe a little bit, yeah, that first game might take a few shifts to settle in, but I think uh, we're good to go. You've been coached by Troy before when you were in Buffalo, and he comes with a lot of notoriety and a lot of preconceived notions about what he's like as a coach. But what do you like about Troy as a coach? 
I like I like a lot about Troy. I like his communication. I like um, he demands work ethic, which uh, and especially in this league is is I think the most important thing that you can do as a coach. Um, you can do all the plays and systems and or drills you want, but if your guys aren't competing and working hard for you, uh, it's it's a tough league to to come out on top of. Um, yeah, I think communication is a big thing. He he's talked with every guy. I had it when I was in Buffalo. He sat me down and said, "Hey, do you want to play? This is a role we're going to find for you." do it to the best of your ability. And I think I did that. And now I see it kind of come full circle. I see him doing that with guys on our squad who maybe haven't had the confidence before or found a role before, and he's given them a chance. And And our guys have reacted really well. And I think uh, it's, it's looking good. He spoke of changing the culture within the, the organization. And I think maybe you can agree for, for the last few years since the team moved up from Everett to the lower mainland, it's kind of been needed. You guys have kind of been, I don't know, just sort of the same. And there hasn't been a lot of, from an outside perspective, there hasn't been a lot of sort of internal pushing from people to kind of push each other to get better and spots are kind of guaranteed. What have you noticed since he's come in to kind of change that culture? Yeah. I mean, we came here in 2018, so it's been a while. We could kind of dive into a bunch of different things, but I think, some of that comes from the personnel not having draft picks. You can kind of go down that rabbit hole. Um, but I do think we made strides in some years. We've we've kind of pushed it. And I think this year we're we're doing that more than more than we have before, right? Mm-hmm. It comes down to the work ethic, comes down to guys being accountable, um, comes down to guys competing for jobs. And I think that's that's all on the table this year. And um, I mean, I, we have got we have good character guys, we have good leadership, we have guys who've won championships. So it's not like we're just oblivious to, to what it takes. It's just a matter of putting it together and, and having everyone drive in the same direction. The Warriors have been doing a good job putting social media videos out about the things you guys are doing. Um, you got a maybe a head start in that race, but Baller came back to win with you. We're not going to bring that up. I, I want to focus on the move. Um, the, the fake bounce shot, reverse catch, keep running far side. Um, I remember seeing Matt Gibson kind of do that trick, just kind of bouncing it into a stick. How the hell did you even think about pulling that off? And will we see it this year? <laughs> uh, I can't remember where I first, I probably was Matt Gibson. I saw first do the, the bounce off the turf and, and your stick. And I don't know, I've always been a guy, just keep your stick in your hands. I, I'm i not the flashiest player ever, but in practice, I'm trying all kinds of weird stuff, see what I can do with that ball on my stick. Um, I don't think we'll see it in the game. Uh, maybe if I, I've had one penalty shot, maybe if I get a penalty shot at the end of the fourth quarter with uh, a five goal lead or something like that, maybe I'll try and pull it out. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't count on it. There was also questions whether it's even a legal move. Um, but no, it's, it's going back to the social media stuff. It's fun. They're, they're doing a really good job. Um, that stuff, we do it after practice. They kind of bring out the cameras and guys can, guys can have fun with it and stick around and uh the race was funny because we just had a, a double header with troy accordingly and they go oh, we want you to race and we look, <laughs> we look like really that's that's what we're doing right now but uh, we did it anyway so no the social media stuff's been fun um yeah you never know maybe i'll keep that move in my back pocket why would it be illegal uh ball hit the in the crease <laughs> no i don't see in the crease ball hitting the turf i don't know if you're allowed to drop the ball technically i'm dropping the ball right so if i drop the ball on a penalty shot i don't know oh okay yeah, yeah. I didn't, that's what people on twitter were saying i don't i didn't think uh that. if it was a penalty shot you dropped the ball yes okay then it would be i think i thought you were just talking like in regular although, way <laughs> yeah bounce shot's good though but then the bounce shot doesn't go back in your stick so yeah ba- bouncers will go as they say um 
you guys have a bit of a turnover in, in your roster this year. Obviously, you know, Dinsdale moves on and Booker moves on, but you bring in some young guys, some lower mainland guys that have kind of been kicking around. I look at a guy like Matt Delmonico might be, as one of us were joking around, the oldest rookie in the league. Um, what do you about, what do you like about this new group that's kind of come in to kind of change um, the way that offense is looking? I like, I mean, I like our offense. We got, we got a lot of guys coming back. Um, we got myself healthy. We got Sean Evans coming in. Yeah. Uh, I think we're eight deep there of quality, very quality NLL guys. Um, I like the character and just the, the, the kind of young attitude and, and competitiveness of a lot of the guys we had on the back end. Um, Delmonico is one of them. Gagliardi is one of them. I think Martel back there has, has looked very, very good. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, and there's a few others to make, kind of mix in with our veterans and, and young guys that we've had in there already. So no, we got, we got some energy out there. We're going to play fast. And, uh, and I mean, going back to Troy, Troy's got guys working hard and, and earning their spots. So, um, whoever earns those spots is, is going to be good. Obviously Evie hasn't been doing much, but what's it been like having his presence around this team? Evie's great. I mean, he, he's an all timer. He's uh, he's an all time character as well. Um, like you said, he wasn't participating in camp uh, at the beginning. So he's, but he's all around the boys, kind of wanting to know what we're doing after, what, where we're going, what, what's going on all the time. Um, we've, we've uh, the West Coast guys have learned to understand his Peterborough accent pretty quick. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, he's he's been awesome to have around. I'm excited to play with him. I played with him shortly in Buffalo as well. Yeah. Um, so I know what that involves uh, some easy looks, some, uh, uh, and so I'm excited for that. You know, when you look at your offense, obviously the dynamics between you, Baller, Logan has been, and even Kyle Killen last year has been great. But I think people are excited for the emergence of Adam Charlambides this year. He yeah. kind of was getting his feet wet. He played all 18 games. He, he had some success. He had some struggles. What's the ceiling for this kid? Uh, unlimited, man. He's he's a he's a freak athlete. Um, I'm in the gym with him sometimes. He's he's bigger, faster, stronger than, than, I mean, I compare him to myself cause I'm in there with him, but a lot more, a lot of guys, um, he's been putting in the work, he's been shooting, he's been building confidence. Um, yeah, I'm excited to play with him. He's a guy who we can, we can run with the ball. We can do a lot of things with, um, and a guy who's willing to learn and learning by the day, um, spent a lot of time playing field across, but he's got a year under his belt and, uh, I know we're really excited to have Bides with us. He just adds to, he's, he's one of those eight guys we got eight legit threats out there so uh no by these his ceiling is very very high and then of course you know reed bowering kind of opened everybody's eyes about what a, a special talent he is I, is he a guy that is going to revolutionize sort of the nll and how it's played akin to challen and courier and even a kyle matisse yeah i think you see more and more guys like that who can who can play everywhere can do all kinds of things um Reader obviously had a, an exceptional rookie year. I think from just watching him this year, it looks like he's, um, to me, he was like a man child coming in to play against men. Now he's like a, a man amongst men. He's, he's, he's put some more work in the gym. He's gotten bigger and stronger and faster. And, and I think I, he's going to take another step this year. I'm, I'm confident in that. Uh, you've been doing a lot of streaming on social media. You've been doing a lot of stuff with the loading lacrosse guys. Um, yeah. How fun is it just to kind of be around a group of guys who are not only trying to be the best at what they do, but are showing some personality and having some fun outside of the game? Yeah, I think the personality starts with Hammer. It's hard not to uh, show personality when you're around him and he's he's doing his thing. He's full of energy. 
Um, Brider's kind of behind the scenes doing some business stuff. But I think, yeah, loading, whatever you want to take out that's a fun name. But I think it's just guys willing to put in the work and, and showing it off sometimes is all right. Um, so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun for me. Uh, I mean, I, honestly, I just be myself. They show up and do everything else. So, uh, yeah, that's been fun for me. Uh, obviously, the game this weekend against Toronto, you guys haven't had the most success uh, against the Rock organization over the years. It, it's been a struggle. But anytime you're on TSN, anytime you're playing a Canadian team, it adds that much more to it. Uh, what's the game plan going in against a, a Toronto team that really hasn't changed much? A couple new pieces on the offensive side, but that's a core that's been together for a while now. Yeah, I think, I mean, it goes back even before I was here. I don't think there's been much success against Toronto. Uh, and the schedule, we've always kind of got them at the end of the year, maybe when we're out of the playoffs and they're gearing up for a playoff run and, and there's been some beat downs. Um, I like the switch, get them right off the bat. They want to call it guaranteed good night, whatever they want. Well, we're coming fresh out of camp. We've uh, like, we'll be as ready as we are. We won't be, uh, it's not the end of season kind of dredge that we've been accustomed to seeing them. We'll see them right, right off the bat, get to go into their home and, and uh, we'll, we'll put up a fight for sure. When you look at a guy like Nick Rose as a goaltender, what tendencies do you see? Uh, well, I, got a, I got a book on Rosie, but I've, I've played against <laughs> Rosie a lot. Uh, same with he's, he's seen me a lot. Um, good shooting is always going to, or not always, but most of the time is going to be good goaltending uh, at the end of the day. So um, I think with Rosie, the key is kind of, keep them guessing like i said we got eight guys um if everyone knows i'm shooting well so does rosie and, and that's an advantage <laughs> for him right if, if no one knows on our offense who's gonna be shooting uh, i think that goes advantage for us so not necessarily a, a nick rose game plan but just mm -hmm. for in general uh, i think that's kind of the key to our offense is keep people guessing you don't know we got eight threats out there a lot of guys who can score the ball uh guys in transition as well can do that so the more we can keep them guessing i think the more successful we'll be have you been getting up early to watch the uh, World Cup games? Uh, I don't know about early, but I've definitely enjoyed watching uh, some of the World Cup games. Um, I used to watch a little more soccer, but now I think the last time I watched soccer was the last World Cup. Yeah. So I've been enjoying it. Uh, sprinkle a couple, a couple ten, twenty dollar bets here and there. <laughs> and, uh, watch them go. You're uh, using so, Coolbet Canada, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. That boy. That's what. We're <laughs> um, before we get out of here, obviously we got Benny coming up next. Um, I know he's hoping that you rave about him. Is it nice to see those old guys still kicking around the league? I thought Benny retired. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I'm in a group chat with Benny. We talk almost daily. Um, he's, uh, I mean, one of the OGs. He's, he's been doing it for so long and still doing it at a very high level. Um, every year, I mean, as I get older, obviously there's a couple more guys who retire who you kind of, yeah, I either grew up watching or came in the league with or, or came to league seeing about me kind of thing mm -hmm. um so it's always bittersweet seeing that but it's always nice to see the guys who are, who are still going and still going strong and benny's uh benny's one of the original guys that i kind of got to play with got to see and, and he's an all-timer and then there's dan dawson who was drafted i think we found like 56 spots behind me in the 2001 draft he's probably older than some of the guys in the league like yeah that that's just uh an incredible thing to see, but it's got to be inspiring to see a guy that continues to put the work in at that age to be at the top of his game. For sure. It's it's no fluke, right? He, he's not just there because talent or, or one thing alone. It's, it's the whole package. It's character. It's his work ethic. It's his skill. Um, 2001, I believe we got a few 2001 born players on our team this year. I know we do. 
So, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's cool to see. It's, um, I mean, obviously I want to play as long as I can, if I can even get close to that, that, that'll be impressive. Um, and yeah, always good to see Dan, Dan, uh, I got to spend a summer with Dan in Victoria and he's, uh, he's a guy I've always looked up to before then. And, and even more so after I got to play with him, um, when I was in junior, I got to see him win a man cups in Brampton and, and he was the first guy I ever saw the YouTube clips of the Boston Blazer YouTube videos. So, no, I got a lot of respect for Dan and, um, always good to see him and see him still going. Saturday, uh, five Eastern, 2 PM Pacific. Does that throw you off at all? I actually just found that out, I think, two days ago. <laughs> that shows how much I'm paying attention. But um, I think it's a good thing just from a lacrosse standpoint. Like, they've never really sta uh, staggered the games. Yeah. Um, I put a tweet out the other day about maybe, like, a potential red zone type-ish thing. Mm -hmm. the, my thoughts on that was everyone plays at seven. You can really only watch one game. Yeah. Um, but with the game staggered a bit, that's pretty cool. I don't mind a five five o'clock start. Um Hopefully a big win, and we got a little extra time to uh, explore explore the hammer. Explore Hamilton. Uh, well, I will see you there, um, and we will uh, explore Hamilton together post game. Mitch, appreciate you, my man. All the best and uh, continued success with all the real estate stuff. And uh, we'll catch up soon, brother. Thanks very much. There you go. Thank you. Prime time Saturday night, TSN. Let's go. That's Mitch Jones. Um, him and Benny have a good relationship. We'll hear from Benny. In a bit. I like the fact that NLL players have group chats with guys from different teams. Usually you have your team chat, but obviously lacrosse players are friends all across the league. So it's nice to know that they still have those chirpy group chats where they can run their mouths against each other and get prepared, whether it be in fantasy football or fantasy hockey or just a regular chat. But it's nice to see those guys still have the bond across the league. It's it's the absolute best. And you see it on Twitter um, when they're chirping each other, having having <laughs> Chris, fun. Chris Nobieko and David Brock right now. It's, yeah, you stole the words right out of the mouth. <laughs> the the, 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 so the chirps heading towards David Brock for his short retirement. Um, Logan Schuss had a great one, too. Basically yeah. saying like, oh, veteran move, saying you're retired just so you can hear everyone say all these <laughs> great the accolades. Um, Christian Delbianco with the Photoshop of Brett Favre. Like, um, it's great. And that is, and that just goes to show you like, yeah, the league's growing, the sport's growing. But at the end of the day, like, this is such a small niche brotherhood, uh, mm -hmm. a community. And yeah, these guys beat the living shit out of each other night in, <laughs> night out. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like for the most part, everyone respects each other. Everyone's got a buddy that played each with each other. You played on another team yeah. or yeah. whatever it may be. And and it's so awesome to see. Yeah, it's the beauty of the game of lacrosse, whether it's PLL and NLL and some or summer league. Like, look at all the Peterborough Laker guys that were teammates and now are going to be opponents this weekend. Yeah. Guys that were on the Water Dogs were teammates, and now they're going to be opponents this weekend. It's just one of the greatest things about our sport and the bond that we all have. So um, great chatting with Mitch Jones. It's going to be so good to see him back. Like, yeah. what a freak injury to have it in practice. Just a bone breaks in his foot, and he's done for the year. Like, not really doing anything. And... He's done. Misses 14 games. The Warriors started hot. They went cold down the stretch. 
Let's see what they can do this year. Patty, give me your West division final. No, give me your West final standings. West final standings. Oh my God, Teddy, putting me on the spot here. Okay. Um, I'm going to say San Diego one. Okay. And this is going to be a, a hot take here. Ooh. I'm going to say Saskatchewan two. Ooh. I think Saskatchewan has a big bounce back this season. I really do. I know a lot has to do with their goaltending. Yeah. But I think if they can, they don't need elite goaltending. They really don't. They just need consistent, consistent goaltending. I think they're going to be two. Okay. I think Colorado three. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to struggle. At, at I, I do too. I do too. I really no do. Because- Gibson's out not playing this year. Yeah. No Ryan Lee. Like that hurts. They're going to struggle off the top, but like, look what we saw from them in the playoffs when they were shorthanded, like they're, they'll be fine. So I think they're going to, I think they're going to sit in the three hole. I think then you have Calgary at four. I think Panther city, you could flip flop them there. And then this is tough. Like I, I think it's, I think it's Vancouver then Vegas, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if those ones were flip flop again, Vancouver, like if they get good, if the, if, if deep can play well, like again, I wouldn't be surprised if they finish like three, like yeah. it's it, this West. And now that there is the crossover, like the wild card, like, man, like that is such a, like, this is going to be an absolute. That makes it, so, it, it actually makes it that much harder on the West. Yes, it does. It really does, man. Right? Like It's so it, tough. Yeah. It it is like I if if Frankie plays the way Frankie does, San Diego is a clear number one in the West. Yeah. If Colorado can survive December and get Ryan Lee back and get a, a healthy Chris Wardle back, I think they can get to second. Third is anyone between Calgary, Saskatchewan, and Panther City, in my opinion. Yep, hundred percent. And then. If Landon Kells all of a sudden becomes Christian Del Bianco 3.0 <laughs> and carries that team and Hellier puts up 100 points and Marshall King puts up 90 points and um, they just become an absolute anomaly, I, I think they're like fifth. Yeah. Vancouver is the wild card. If they get good goaltending, I think that offense can light the lamp. Yep. But – it is going to be one of the craziest Western divisions I think we've ever seen. Yeah. I, I hearken back to the year where like the top four teams in the West all ha- or the East all had the same record. Yeah. I really think we could see something crazy out West this year. And I am all for, because I will be watching those games very, very closely and a lot of them in person. And I think it's just incredible for the game. And it, it is, it is awesome. I think, there's a lot of questions with Calgary. What do they look like without Curtis Dixon? Can Christian Del Bianco carry the load? Uh, we talked about Vancouver needing goaltending depth, but like, how big of a year does Reed Bowering have? Can he crack 250 loose balls this year? Like, like what can't that dude do? Saskatchewan, their offense is ridiculous. They get Marty Dinsdale back. They still have one of the best defenses in the league, even without Chris Corbeil and without Jeff Cornwall. It's 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 bouquet or penny one of those guys has to steal the show or 
they can platoon and just be great. Panther City, Donville, Dodds, if they can get balanced scoring out of the lefties, I think they can turn some heads. So it is going to be an absolutely bonkers year in the NLL West division. On Friday night, you'll get a chance to see Ryan Banesh wear the Halifax purple and orange again for the first time in a couple of years. He's excited to be back there, and I caught up with him. Let's see what he has to say about Mitch Jones. This is Ryan Banesh one-on-one on the Off the Crossbar podcast. talk to Mitch Jones about the game on Saturday night. Let's talk about the game Friday night. Halifax, Philadelphia, TSN and ESPN. And joining us on the show is the newest returning member, used to be of the Halifax Thunderbirds, Ryan Banash. Benny, what's up, brother? That whole lot, you? I can't complain. It's game week, so we're all pretty excited, right? That's right. Yeah, it's uh, coming closer and closer, getting more real here by the minute. Um, you had a pretty good busy, a pretty good and busy weekend uh, last weekend. Your little man turned one. Um, what's that like having a one-year-old kicking around? Uh, it's uh, it's entertaining and uh, worrisome at the same time. He's he's up, crawling around, walking around. He's getting into everything, opening cabinets and drawers, and so uh, the zip ties have come out. They've been everything's been zip tied shut. So. But uh, I mean, it's 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 fun. It's it's awesome to see his little personality starting to come through, and um, he's coming to Halifax this weekend with me, nice. so that'll be pretty exciting. Is he a lefty or a righty? I'm hoping he'll be a lefty. Yeah, smart, <laughs> smart there. Um, speaking of going back to Halifax, why there? Why did you choose that franchise to go back uh, after a bounce around year last year? You know, it has a lot to do with the familiar faces, right? Um, being familiar with the guys in the locker room and the coaching staff and obviously uh you know Kurt being the general manager and and how well he treats his players um was a big thing for me and then you know I I was talking to a couple teams and uh you know you never really want to let down somebody like a a friend um or somebody that you might have played with but uh, ultimately, you know, Soupy kind of knew the key to my heart and, uh, you know, family's a big thing for me. So, um, he, he made a, a couple, couple things happen for my family. So, um, that was huge. And that, that kind of sealed the deal for me. How's the, the, the body feeling going into what, what year is this for you now? Uh, I think it's like 16, Jesus, <laughs> maybe, maybe 17. I don't remember um how's the body after all that bodies is okay i mean i'd be lying if i uh if i said i don't wake up with a couple of aches and pains but um you know it's it's just part of the game and it's it's just part of the business um you know lacrosse has been has been good to me for this many years so um you know i'm not going to use sore muscles as an excuse not to play um, what do you do differently now than you did say in year three or four to make sure that your body's ready for the next week? Uh, definitely more stretching, a lot more cardio. Um, I, I don't lift as heavy as I used to. That's for sure. Um, I remember like during when COVID happened there, I was in the basement working out and I, I was putting heavy weights on the squat rack and I, 
went down for a set and I I barely got the weight back up because I I tweaked something in my back and ever since then I just said okay I'm done with the done with the heavy lifts we'll focus more on mobility and and cardio and um you know it's working out okay um for those that haven't been around that locker room or haven't been around him in general what's Cody Jameson like behind the scenes and what's he like as a leader he's uh he's awesome man he's uh he's kind of that laughing joking um kind of captain but at the same time you know when he speaks and it's serious everybody's listening um it's hard not to listen to a guy like Cody just based on you know, his resume, you know, his body of work in the game of lacrosse, just what he's done and what he's accomplished. It's, it's incredible. And, uh, you know, he's still such a great player and you can tell he's still got that passion in him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that the guys rally around and, you know, I'm, I'm definitely glad to be a part of his team. Was he happy to have you back? Yeah, I mean, from from the texts I got from him, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I would hope, uh, I would hope that he was, um, yeah. you know, obviously joining a, a new team or you know returning to a team can be a little difficult, but um, everyone's you know welcomed me with open open arms, and uh, it's kind of like I never left. How have you seen the growth from a guy like Clark Peterson, who you played with in his rookie year, to how you've seen him now in the first few weeks of camp? Uh, I think he's just becoming more comfortable and, and confident um, with with every minute that he's on the floor. You, you can tell this year, coming into camp, you know he's he's uh, he's put on some weight. Um, he's a little more muscular, um, you know, and he's a little more confident. He's shooting the ball a lot more. Uh, I like to compare him, kind of to, to Mitch Marner of the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, everybody says, oh, he's such a great playmaker and this and that, but. You know, he's got that shot. He's got a great shot, and everybody, you know, kind of takes it for granted. So um, kind of been telling him, you know, shoot the ball more. And, uh, you know, so far, so good. It's got to be nice to to go to a team that you, you feel welcomed. But it also has to feel nice, nice to be a part of a team where you don't have to go up against a guy like Graham Hosick. What makes him such a special defender from a guy that's played with and against him? he's just sound positionally right like he he knows where to be he's always in the right spot at the right time and you know he's the guy's a freak of nature he is he's just so strong he's cut like a diamond but uh you know me and Haas I always tell Haas like I'll throw him around if I have to so (laughs) keep his head up do you think you could I don't think I would move him an inch (laughs) Um, Ryan Tarafenko had an incredible breakout year last year, especially for an American who didn't have much box skills. How impressed have you been with him since getting to know him? Yeah, he's uh, he's an incredible athlete, and uh, you know, he's definitely picking up the box game a lot faster than a lot of Americans have in the past. But he, I, I watched him in the PLL, and I watched him last year with uh, with the Thunderbirds, and you know he's. He's a great defender. He's a he's a quick athlete, and you know, he's a good transitional player. He can push the ball, and uh, you know, most of the times he makes the right play when he's in transition. You know, he knows when to shoot and he knows when to pass. So, uh, I'm excited to see his growth this year, and and uh, you know, and see what he brings to the table. How's my boy Max Wilson doing? He's good. 
Max is awesome. He's, uh, I know he's coming off a knee, knee injury, but uh, it's not slowing him down at all. I, he's, he's faster than I thought he was. So, mm -hmm. um, and that does, that's not saying much, but from coming. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, uh, he's a great defender, and I'm excited to see him, um, you know, learn from some of the guys like Haas, you know, like Tyson Bell, mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, grow as a player. Last year for the Halifax Thunderbirds, one of their biggest weaknesses offensively was the power play. Has that been a point of focus and emphasis for you guys in this preseason camp? Yep. Yeah. We <laughs> talked about it. We talked about it last Wednesday at practice. Uh, we brought up the fact that, um, you know, they were the worst power play in the league last year. And uh, that's something that, you know, that we're looking to change. And um, I think, it's kind of hard not to change when you add a guy like Randy Stats to the right side. Um, you know, just his shot and his, his presence out there should should help that power play, help our power play out tremendously. Uh, you're going up against a Philadelphia team that is big, burly, and, and loves to pressure the ball. What's, what's the game plan going into Friday night? Move our feet, move the ball, you know, stick to our systems. Yeah, they're big. But, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that we can't be gritty ourselves. Um, you know, like you said, they're going to pressure the ball. So it's on us to, you know, move our feet, move quick, make the right decisions. You know, try and wear them down as the game goes on. And obviously, you know, um, they're going to be a great team. They got a great offense. They added Joe Rusteris, which mm -hmm. is a huge move for anybody. But, um, you know, I'm confident in our defense. I'm confident in Warren. And, you know, I'm confident in our offense to do our jobs and, and put the ball in the net and win the game. Uh, you mentioned year 16 or so. Uh, you're not at Dan Dawson territory yet, but how many more kicks of the can do you think you got in you? Uh, we'll see. Uh, it all depends, right, to how the body feels after the season, uh, what the mindset's like, you know, just kind of like kind of what life is, is doing at the time. And mm -hmm. uh, I know if it was up to me, I'd play a few more years, but, you know, uh, we're just, I'm just taking it kind of day by day, game by game at this point. Obviously no one looks to the future, but we're seeing now more and more guys, once they're done, immediately take a role within the organization. You mentioned Supi, who's now the AGM there. Um, is that something you would like to do? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, it, something that, you know, I've thought about for a couple of years now, um, obviously I would like to get into coaching. You know, uh, or you know, just stay aboard with a team any in any way that I can. Um, obviously, I'm hoping that my son Parker plays lacrosse. So, you know, any chance I get to to be around the game, I'd like to take it for sure. So just to, you know, to kind of guide him in the right directions too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Mitch Jones was praising you um, and mentioning that you guys are in a weekly text chat. Uh, is he a good text chatter? Yeah. Yeah, Jonesy's a beauty. I, I love that guy. I've I've known him for several years now, and I uh, I saw him a, uh, you know a bunch this summer playing out west there in Ladner, and yeah, uh, you know every time I see him, he's just like it's just a big smile on my face, big smile on his face. He's just a a great human being, a great guy, and a great friend. And I'm you know happy to to be a part of his life and him be a part of mine. You're one of those few people, you know, still searching for that elusive NLL title. You did win a President's Cup over the summer with Ladner. What was that experience like? Because I don't think a lot of people 
really understand the dynamics that goes into a Prezi and how hard it is to win. Everyone says, oh, you know, a Minto is so hard because you only get so many years. And, and a man is so tough because it's the best of the best in a seven-game series. But the President's Cup is eight games and nine days or nine games and eight days. And it is an all-out war. What was that memory and experience like? Yeah, uh, that's, you know, that tournament is when the anxiety is definitely through the roof. Um, it is it is one of the biggest grinds that I've ever had to do in my life. I've been to that tournament three times now and each year, like it never gets easier. And, uh, you know, our team in Ladner, we had a pretty stacked team. We had, I think, like 16 NLL players on our team. And, you know, we didn't cake. It wasn't a cakewalk for us no. at all. Uh, every team played us to the bone and uh like it, it's just it's one of those things that if you're if if you're not mentally prepared and you're not physically prepared like you're not going to do well there and you're going to have a, a horrible experience of you know guys slashing it with wooden sticks and playing two games in one day but um you know it, it definitely it definitely makes you appreciate those bye weekends that we get in the nll that's for sure <laughs> Uh, I know I'm your favorite Jenner still, but uh, make sure you don't give Mackie too much of a hard time there when she interviews you between quarters, eh? Yeah. No, I'll, I'll be nice. I'll be nice. <laughs> uh, Benny, I appreciate my man. Uh, it's always good catching up. Uh, say hey to the family. Safe travels this weekend and have an incredible year, my man. Appreciate the time as always. Awesome. I appreciate it, Teddy. We'll see you soon, buddy. There isn't a nicer guy. Oh, there's a lot of nice guys. But Ryan Manash might be like one A through F nicest guys in the league. He, he honestly, like talking to Cody Jameson and Micah Kersey, like they said, like when Benny came back day one on training camp, it just felt like he never left. Yeah. Like, like it was just like Benny's back, like, and they said it just it brought a different energy to the team that they kind of were missing last year. Like it's like he's your veteran calming presence, but he's also like the guy that you know always is chirping. He's the guy we talked about group chats. Like he's the guy that's chirping the yeah. group chat, yeah. but he's also the guy that can like kind of dial it back and like also be that calming veteran presence to be like, all right, boys, like here's you know here's what we should be doing here. So like. Again, they didn't plan on losing him last year, like yeah. in expansion draft. Like, and I'm not saying like he's the reason why like the last year didn't go well, but like, man, if they don't lose him to Panther City in that expansion draft, I I'm really curious to see what their season looks like yeah. last year because not only is he a great presence in that locker room, but he also was a consistent scoring threat on that left side, which they also missed big time. And I think he's going to add such a boost to that offense. The East is much like the West, incredibly open. And I remember in our season preview, I was like, yeah, I think it's going to be Buffalo, Colorado, or rematch in the final. But Buffalo is without Chase Fraser for a bit. They lost Connor Fields. Um, that group is another year older. And the more I think about it, I, I really think 
that they are going to be in a very, very tough position to repeat as Eastern champions because of all of the talent, how much better all those Eastern teams got, whether it be Joey Rez in Philadelphia, whether it be Andrew Q down in Georgia, whether it be Corey Small and Stephen Keogh in Toronto, Stotts, Randy Stotts over there in Halifax, like everybody in the East, for the most part, all those top teams found a way to get better. Yeah. And it just brings the gap that much closer. Sure. I think Georgia and Rochester are sort of the bottom two teams in that division based solely on goaltending. Um, I think New York is going to scare a lot of teams if they can get the same consistency out of their back end. So I'm going to go back off of what I thought earlier. I'm going to say Toronto 1, Buff 2, Halifax 3, New York 4, Philly 5, Rochester 6. Oh. No, Albany 6, Rochester 7, Georgia 8. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I I love Lyle Thompson. I love everything that he does. But I I just don't know. Like, it's goaltending for me, man. Yeah. Goaltending is everything in the National Lacrosse League. It's a and goaltending it's, league, man. It's a it is. League. And we talk about how long it takes for goaltenders to develop. And Craig Wendy, everyone thinks Craig Wendy is this young guy. Craig Wendy's in his 30s. He's been <laughs> plodding around the senior B loop for years. And he's now finally getting an opportunity to be the number one guy. Yeah. And if it's not, and it doesn't go well, then all the weight falls onto Dauber. Yeah. And we all know Dauber is going to be a great goaltender, but the jump from junior to senior. And when you haven't been playing recently is a massive jump mm-hmm. and it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Ryland Hartley is coming off a concussion that most saw him miss the end of the year. And many people didn't know if he'd be able to play again. And he's back. So there are a lot of questions and it's going to be very interesting in the East. It's, it's going to be an absolute meat grinder, honestly, man. <laughs> like it, it is so tough. I, I mean, if we're throwing out our predictions, like I, I think I agreed with your top four with Toronto one, Buffalo two, Halifax three, Philly four. No, New York four. You want New, New York, York four? four? I think Philly or Riptide for like I think you could flip yeah. a coin with those yeah. two. Um, I think I again, I think Georgia. I really like Georgia's roster. I love the the way they're. I think their defense is so underrated. Like Adam Wiedemann, like pencil him in for my pick for like breakout defender of the year. Like I think he is going to prove to a lot of people how good he is. Um, yeah, they lose Chad Tutton, but their defense is, is stout. Um, their offense, like you add Q, um, you add Ryan Lanchberry, Zach Miller's back. But I agree with you, Teddy. The the goaltending certainly is a cause for concern when it comes to Georgia, and that is something that's scary. Albany, like. I do feel bad because Albany, when you look at, at their 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 backbone, it's goaltending with Dougie Jameson. It's their defense. Their offense is going to struggle to score goals straight yeah. up. Their offense is it's going to struggle to put the ball in the net. 
um, but they're going to compete every single night. Their defense is going to play a, a tight game. They're going to score goals in transition, and, and Doug Jamison's going to really earn his keep. Mm-hmm. But again, like I just think I tend to agree with you. I think every single team in that division, with the exception of Albany, got better last year. Yeah, Albany was the, like got plummeted and pillaged. But every other team like did something to improve, yep. like even Rochester. And a lot of people are sleeping on Rochester. I wouldn't sleep on Rochester, man. Like that if, offense is scary. Like that offense is good. Their defense is mean and athletic. Like I think Thomas Hogarth could have a a crazy good year. Like mm-hmm. a really, really good year. Like Fields. Like, are people forgetting like Connor Fields? Like now he's you're like number one left. Like he's out of the shadows of that, yeah. that bandits offense. Like yeah, it's him and holding Gatoni. And then you got Turner Evans, Thomas Vela. If Thomas Vela starts seeing action. Yeah, man. He's that kid is really good. I don't think yeah. a lot of people know about him because I agree. he played most of his lacrosse with Burnaby, it, you know, and you got Austin Hayes in there too, right? They got a lot of pieces that can fit in. Like you said, that defense is big and mean. If Ryland Hartley can stay healthy you know, now he's in what year three, year four. Yeah. You know, now's about the time where he really should start to be coming an elite NLL goaltender, like we all predicted him to be coming out of junior. So, you know, it is going to be a dogfight across the National Lacrosse League. You know, any given night, any team can win, and we will get it all started Friday night. Halifax hosting Philadelphia, and so as we do that. Let's see if we can help you have a good weekend as we have another round of Box Bets. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, Patty, uh, box bets time. I'm going to throw this out just right out of the gate so everyone can get on board. Use the promo code OTCB. Hit that login button. Get in there. Sign up. Use the promo code OTCB. The fans over there at CoolBet, we will double your money up to $200. So you can get in on the action right away. And we have, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to still have our, OTCB three-way parlay every week. Same as always. We're also going to throw a couple different things I might want to sprinkle here and there. And we've created the go big or go home bet. There's no boost to this or anything like that. It's just, this is inspired by our boy, Adam Levy. He does UFC bets all the time. And he bets on every single fight, (laughs) no matter what it is. He makes this ridiculous card, bets on every single fight, gets this ridiculous odd, and just tries to ride with it. So our go big or go home bet will be a bet from every single game that weekend. And we're going to give you our first one. Bandits money line. Philly Halifax under 23 goals. Toronto minus one and a half. San Diego, New York over 23. Rochester plus one and a half. Sask minus one and a half. Just that, plus 5,552. <laughs> it is a ridiculous bet. It is a grandiose over-the-top line, 
but my card is full of every game this weekend. And you even can only just bet a dollar. Bet a dollar and this pays for your entire Christmas. So go big or go home. That's my card. I love it. I love it, Teddy. I know you love your big juicy parlays. And that's why I'm not good at gambling, Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. I mean, it is. It makes it exciting. I could lose my card in the very first game. I could have to wait all the way to the very last game. I like it though. I mean, there's yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Like, I really like every single pick there, man. Like, again, it's gonna come down to one game and and we're just gonna miss on it. But hey, that's that's the beauty of sports betting. That's a beauty of lacrosse. Like, you think you gotta figure it out. Like this league, so cliche, like any given Sunday, any given Saturday, but like, man, there's a lot of parity in this league. This is a tough, this is a tough league. Uh, to sports bet on but Mm -hmm. if you're gonna do it do it on cool bet because there is not a better offering for the national lacrosse league than cool bet 100 percent, 100 percent. what's uh our our play this week though all right so we got a our first week one off lacrosse bar podcast parlay so we've got two up two money line underdogs you've got new york money line plus 112 against san diego you got rochester plus 149 against georgia and then halifax not an underdog but we're getting plus money on this though minus one and a half against philadelphia at plus 110 add that together plus 550 love it at Cool Bet Canada, you'll find that nowhere else but at Cool Bet Canada. Go to the exclusive tabs, click the OTCB parlay, and you'll find it right there. I'm actually surprised New York's not a bigger dog. Yeah, me too. Honestly, me too. Like, uh, and I even think Evan was talking about that on um, on Lax Class. Like, I'm really surprised to see that they're. They're only plus 112 and, and San Diego's minus 135. Like, I think that just goes to show you everyone keeps talking about how New York's a sleeper pick. Let's mm-hmm. stop talking about them being sleepers because if everyone's calling them a sleeper, they're not a sleeper. Like, I think we have high expectations for this team to take the step, like a next step. And would that not be a big step if you, you knock off the the heavy favorite to win the yeah. title in game one. Like yeah. you're at home, you're at home. Like that would be a big, big exclamation mark to, to getting to that next level. It would be indeed. Uh, one last one. If you want to look at a little futures bet uh, and this kind of, maybe, maybe I influenced your people over at <laughs> Canada. Um, Bandits mammoth final again, plus 2000 Patty. Yeah, that's out there, but champions know how to win. Champions know how to get there. And the Bandits Mammoth final is what I am on record of saying was going to happen. Plus 2,000. Plus 2,000. And while we're on the specials, there's a couple other ones. Dane Smith to score 138 or more points, breaking his own record, plus 250 which sounds crazy. You think it'd be more, but that just goes to show you how perennial of a scorer yeah. 
Dane Smith is. We've also got Jeremy and Lyle Thompson both to combine for 51 or more regular season goals at plus 100. I think Lyle will be doing a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, on that one. A, that's going to be a lot on Lyle. But hey, I mean, he's good for well, at least 35, maybe if not more than that anyway. So, um, Jeremy, you just got to sprinkle in a couple here or there. And then the last one, NLL Cup to be won by an American team, minus 200. Eh. But if you're feeling patriotic, Canadians, an NLL Cup win by a Canadian team, plus 175. Mm, nice. Kinda what is it up. for a Western team to one? Because West have won like six of seven. Oof, you know what? We don't have that up there, but we Ooh. will have to get that done. You got to get that I like fast. That. I like that. I like that uh, a lot. FYI, Lyle had 47 goals last year, so I don't think Jeremy will have to do too much. <laughs> um, all right, that's box bets for this week. We'll have another round of parlays next week for you again. As always, stay cool. Bet responsibly. Jeez, I, I thought I, I thought I lost you to the Bills game there for a second. Um, no, no, final score, Bills won. We're good. We're good. Oilers lost. Fuck. Whatever. Um, GM of the year, Patty. Let's run through some quick season awards. Who okay. you got? Uh, this one's tough, but let's go Patrick Merrill. You bring in you bring in two of the top free agents um, with Dixon, with Crowley. Mm-hmm. And if they can get it done, even if you know they make a deep run, I think you, you got to tip your cap. Um to Merrill like he's built a, a strong team and obviously yeah. bringing in two high ticket price guys like that pretty impressive so I, I'm gonna go with Merrill um no Bill Greer on the back end for San Diego this year so Patrick Merrill will sort of run the back in the middle while Josh Sanderson will run the front and the other half of the middle um coach of the year I'm gonna go with Matt Sawyer I, I really think this is Toronto's year to win it all. I think all the pieces are there. If you go back and look at their postseason, sure, you could say they eked out a win against Halifax, but sometimes you got to do that. But games one and two of the East final, like I think some people may forget this. They hit the post late in game one to almost tie it. And then game two, they scored right at the buzzer off an incredible feed. And Dan Craig thought he had tied it but it was deemed no goal as the clock had struck zeros. Like they were that close to winning that series and going to the finals. I think Matt Sawyer and his crew pull it all together. And I think he wins coach of the year. I really like that one. I I do think that, you know, that coaching staff has built something great and built a great culture, but just to make the the show a little more interesting, I'll go somewhere else. Please. I'll say Pat Coyle. Oh, I'm going to say Pat Coyle because I do truly believe that he and his staff are going to have to do some serious coaching at the start of the year with so many guys um, out of the lineup to start, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, And I don't think, you know, I, I really feel like last year in that championship, like a lot of that, the reasons why they were able to knock off the bandits was due to coaching. He won the coaching battle. Yeah. Like, I think he did win the coaching battle, and I think he'll get a little more respect this year. Not that he didn't have respect, but, I mean, more praises for yeah. the whole body of work over the last couple of years. Uh, Patty, transition player of the year. 
I'm going to go off the board maybe here, I think. Um, A little? Latrell Harris. And Mm. I think I said this last year. Um, And now the fact that Challen Rogers is playing a, a full offensive role someone's going to have to push the tempo. Someone's going to have to be the guy that is getting the scoring opportunities from the back end. And I think it's going to be Latrell Harris. I think he's going to take that next step and be that guy, be the guy. Because when you look at Brad Cree, when you look at Mitch Desnew, sure, yeah, they'll get their scoring opportunities as well. But I think they're going to be more focused on shutting down the top players on each team. So it's going to give Latrell a little more opportunity to freewheel. And uh, yeah, I, I just it might be a little bit of an off the board pick because we know like so many great players in this league that run out the back door and play transition. But give me Latrell Harris. Uh, Matt Sawyer did say to us this week that Chown Rogers will indeed play some back end shifts and some short man. So he might be doing some transition running, but mostly out the front door. Uh, I'm going to go back to back champ Zach Courier. Um, I just think there's no like. I don't think there's anybody as good as him. There are players that are close and getting closer. Like Reed Bowering's close. Latrell Harris is getting closer. There are some other really good two-way guys in this league, but I think Zach Currier is just head and shoulders above anybody else in this league at what he does. Uh, Goalie of the year. uh, I'm going to go maybe a little off the board, but a guy finally, and this ties in with Matt Sawyer winning coach of the year, a guy that finally gets the recognition of being an elite goaltender is Nick Rose. His goals against are almost always under 10. His save percentage is almost always over 78. He makes one or two extra saves a game. This is a championship team. Nick Rose finally gets the recognition he deserves and wins goalie of the year. I, I love that. Like he, he, I think at this point, if, Matt Vince decided to retire. I think he probably would have a couple mm-hmm. or one somewhere on, on his shelf. Um, I know I said Matt Vince. I'm not going Matt Vince because yeah. I think we need new blood in the award. <laughs> uh, I do love the Rose pick, but I'm going to go Dylan Ward. And I just, after seeing what he did in the finals, if yeah. he can carry that momentum, man, like he's, he's, he's hard to beat. He, he's, he has one of the best years for a lacrosse goalie ever. Yeah. Absolutely did. NLL, PLL championship. Like the guy got married as well. So it's pretty good year for Wardo. Uh, he still bad. hasn't been traded, but um, <laughs> MVP. This is probably maybe the toughest one out there. Big time, big time. And I think there's, oh God, maybe 10 players. I think you could give this to. Oh, there's 15 technically. Yeah, true. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> right? Fair enough. But some, hey, last year, you, you had people saying Dane Smith or Matt Vince, and they're on the same yeah. team. So yeah. like, you could have more than that. Um, yeah. But I'm going to go, I'm going to say Randy Stocks. Because Ooh, wow. I believe that if he can stay healthy, I think he can have a career year. I really do. I feel like he is the player that has been – kind of waiting for his opportunity to be the guy. And I know he won the rookie of the year um, in his first season. And I know he's had some big years, but 
you know, there was still Lyle on that team. Yeah. Still Shane yeah. Jackson on that team. Yeah. And not knocking anything against any of these Halifax Thunderbirds players because they are no. all great players. Clark Peterson's a, a budding star in this league. Cody Jamison is still Cody Jamison. But I think he has the capability now on this roster to take games over. And I think he's going to have a big year. I think Halifax is going to have a bounce back year. And I think he's going to put up some serious numbers. And he's my pick for MVP. Uh, I, I'm so torn. Like hard, Teddy. It's hard, man. It is. Like I, I want to say it's Chown Rogers just because he does so much. But I think yeah. okay, now he's he's just going to go out the front door. Maybe he's not going to be as valuable. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, I think a guy like Reed Bowering can bring so much more value to a team. This is was my argument of the Matt Vince Dane Smith. MVP debate last year. I yep. think, you know, Mike Messenger. I, I really think transition guys bring so much more value. Zach Courier, like, <laughs> yeah, and so I'm good. I'm I'm actually going against what I wrote. I'm going to say it's Zach Courier. Okay, I like that. I, like I just that. the the things that he can do from like they they lost Tyler Burton. Justin Anastio was going to be their draw guy. He's not there. They're going to need people to take draws. He can take draws. He can find loose balls. Short man, power play, penalty kill. He can play everywhere you need him to be. He's obviously not going to be on the PK, but, or sorry, on the power play, but he really does do everything. And he is the ignition for everything they do and sparking their energy out of the back end and getting them momentum. When they need a big goal, he's going to be there. There's no Superman anymore. There's no guy jumping out of a phone booth with a cape on his back. As much as Hayden Dixon is going to try, he's not Curtis Dixon. I really believe that Zach Courier is going to have an even better year than he did last year in all categories, and he's going to win MVP hands down. That's also a great pick. I mean, when you break it down, most valuable player. Yep. Is there a player that's more valuable than than him? I mean, you can make some arguments, but – it's it's real tough. Like I, I think I really like that pick. I think he could have won it last year, even honestly. I think he yeah. really could have. But again, also has a lot to do with the success of Calgary. If they get in the playoffs, like it'd be hard for a lot of people if he does very similar to what he did last year to keep them off his, his, you know, their ballot. Um, we said MVP might be the hardest. This one continues to get harder because there's so many rookies. And now with 41 rookies in the league at minimum this year, um, I think a lot of people feel, feel Donville. Uh, if I feel if Awesome Adronic can get a fair shake and play 18 games since Saskatchewan, which is going to be really tough, um, he could be in there. But I'm going to say Donville, what says you? I'm going to say Donville as well, just because I think he is probably the most pro ready uh, player in this draft class. But let's just say for argument's sake, like if it's not Donville, who is my next pick? Yeah. I'm going to Vegas. Ooh. I'm going with Mr. Hannah. Ooh. I've heard some really good things about yeah, we have. Zach Hanna, and you've heard some good things. And I think his progression to being a pro is going a lot faster than maybe a lot of people thought. So 
I'm going to say if it's not Donville, then that's my my off the board pick or not even off the board, but that's my non Donnie pick. But I will say <laughs> Donville playing alongside Patrick Dodds in an offense that proved a lot last year. Like I have a hard time not seeing him win this thing. Um, since 2000, three Americans have won rookie of the year. Who are they? Oh, three. So since 2000? Since 2000. Huh. So that's John Grant's rookie year was 2000. Since then, 2000. three rookie, three American rookies have won rookie of the year. Who are they? Since the year 2000. Okay. Um, did Schreiber win? Yeah, 2017. Okay. He beat out Kyle Jackson and Latrell Harris. There's three? Yeah. Uh, one was 2005. Okay. And they played for the San Jose Stealth. Okay. And the other was 2003, and they played for the Mammoth. Oh, God. Both forwards. Holy hell. Who the hell? <laughs> I, I only um, know this because I'm literally looking at it. Would Brian, Did Brian Boyle win one? Yep. Ryan okay. Boyle, 2005 with the Stealth. Okay, and then I'm missing 03? 03, Colorado Mammoth. Oh, God. I have no idea. Let me know. Brian Langtree. Oh, I actually thought I, you were going to say like Jay Zhao Bear or something. I was, that's who I was going yeah. like, to say. I wouldn't have guessed that in 100. I'm shocked I got Boyle, to be honest. Yeah, I, but I, I, you know what? I think the Hannah pick is uh, an outlier away from Donnie. Uh, I'm going to give you credit for that if it happens. Um, but I love I think You know, you got a good relationship with Willie. I've talked to a few guys who were down in Vegas quite a bit. And yeah, everything coming out of Vegas camp is that Jack Hannah is the real deal yeah um do we want to go into the island or top 30 d guys uh, and oh guys i don't know man i don't know <laughs> because at the same time i could say that cooper perkins metrics is way off because he thinks connor robinson is going to have 40 points right so if you're wondering what we're talking about uh steven stamp bob chavez cooper perkins and adam levy the staff over at inside lacrosse an aisle indoor as it is, as it is, did their um, top goaltenders, top O guys, top D guys. Their top 30 D guys had a whole bunch of people up in arms, uh, mostly because Kyle Rubish finished 24th. But you have to realize that when they oh, do no, he, oh, he finished, where did he finish? He finished. 25th? No, I thought it was 24th. Oh, he finished 6th, but he received Oh, right, sorry. Vote. Yes. Which is still Someone in their group voted him the 24th. So, the way the and I've been a part and I know you have too. I've been a part of those voting situations with those guys. And what they do is just everybody submits their their rankings and wherever you get a ranking, you get a point. And somebody in that group, we don't know who, but they did say that someone did this, voted Kyle Rubish as the 24th best defenseman in the National Cross League. And there were some other very questionable ones as well. But it's just, I find it funny to see how people do these rankings because I've done them before 
it's not easy. No, it isn't. It really to, is to rank guys because you, you got to weigh offense versus defense, goaltenders versus forwards. Even when it gets split into D guys, you got D guys versus transition players and what's more valuable and who's going to do more. It, it's not easy to do it, but there are some things that are a little more obvious. One of them isn't Kyle Ruish being outside the top 10 of your list of top D guys. Kyle, so, Kyle Rubish. Four-time Defender of the Year award, straight? Yeah, and... <laughs> still gets it done? He finished in the top three of voting last year. So even if you want to say, like, he's not as good as he once was, which is not true because he still is. Even if you did a top 30 players, lacrosse players in the National Lacrosse League, he still is not 24. No. So, again, I don't want to belabor this because, again, it. but come on. Steve Priolo, 13? <laughs> like, his highest vote was second. Uh. Yet, he still somehow ended up 13. So, that means he ended up somewhere, like, oh, man. I, 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 this is why I hate these votes. I yeah. Hate these votes. It, it's, it's so... It's so- What's the word I want? Volatile, I want to say it's personal. I, yeah. Because sometimes yeah, yeah. personal feelings get involved in it. But it's it's so subjective. Because what do you value greater? Youth, experience, wins, size, strength, speed, all those things come into the play. But it was just a tough look for some of those guys to – you know, Cooper and Adam just got brought on with 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 Stamper and, and Bobby Chavez. And the first really things that they do are these rankings, and they're just getting dragged through the coals by everybody from fans to players to all of us other broadcasters. It, it's just been a tough week for some of those guys. Yeah, and again, I, I don't envy them because these lists are tough, but yeah, I, I can guarantee you I wouldn't have had – Kyle Rubish ranked. It. <laughs> I can promise we'll you let, that. We'll we'll let that. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> I, I know another. I know other people are are dragging that through the Twitter mud, but we will uh, let it go. Um, you are in Halifax, game one of the National Lacrosse League season, TSN, ESPN. What is it? A uh, eight PM faceoff uh, out there, Patty? It's a seven o'clock, seven Atlantic time. Santa seven Atlantic, six Eastern. Yep. And three Pacific, three Pacific, like love it, love Heck, that. It's a two p.m. Pacific game on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I know with the the five o'clock Eastern, right in 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 Hamilton. So, yeah. um, so Wings Thunderbirds Friday, we've got Rock Warriors Saturday at two p.m. Pacific time, five p.m. Eastern. That one also TSN. Brad Chandler, Chantel Chan, and myself. You guys will be with Ashley docking yourself and John Abbott in Halifax. Buffalo Albany always a good game is maybe we're going to have a repeat of one net being scored on the entire night. <laughs> uh seals riptide from the island. Nighthawks and goals, swarm. Goals, goals in that one. Oh, oh, tons of goals in that game. Uh Nighthawks swarm from the heart of Georgia and then the final game of week 1 Mammoth Rush from Toontown. 
it is going to be an epic weekend. We will wrap it all up for you next week and preview week two and bring you more entertaining, lighthearted, and fun guests. Thank you to Mitch Jones. Thanks to Ryan Banesh. And thank you, as always, to yourselves for listening each and every week. Find the show on Instagram at OTCB Podcast. The show on Twitter at OTCB underscore podcast. He is at P. Greggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. Final thoughts, Mr. Gregoire. Whether you're watching on ESPN, <laughs> TSN, TSN Direct, TSN.ca, ESPN Plus, turn the game on, enjoy it, because lacrosse is back. It's so back. How many uh, big head Snapchats are you going to get? Oh, all of them. I hope so. I hope so. I usually hate those, but opening weekend, invite them all. They're all great. If you're going to a game, take a friend. Lacrosse is better with friends. If you're with a friend, fine. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.